0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: And those who husbanded the golden grain and those who flung it to the winds like rain alike to no such aureate earth are turned as buried once men want dug up again.
0: Here in the main cemetery in West Terrace in central Adelaide lies the grave of the unknown man. Aside from a mortuary photo, the headstone here bears no clue as to who it is that lies beneath. And that's because the man buried here, in this soft soil, went to extreme lengths to hide his identity. This tombstone simply reads, here lies the unknown man, who was found at Summerton Beach, 1st of December, 1948. In the seven decades since a man was found dead on Summerton Beach in Adelaide, No one has come forward to report him missing. So, just who was the Summerton man? As the years roll by, there are some things that become harder to understand about the case. The so-called code, the collection of letters written in a book of Persian poetry, his relationship with Joe Thompson, who died in 2007. But there's one way of answering this question that actually gets easier with time. Forensic science. Advances in forensic genealogy and DNA mean we could finally put a name to the Summerton Man, even after 70 years. For the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, I'm Fiona Ellis-Jones and this is the Summerton Man. For one Adelaide University professor, the Summerton Man is much more than just a body on a beach.
1: Well, I guess my, my own children will want to know their family history uh, as they grow up and hopefully we'll be able to tell them who their mother's grandfather is at some stage.
0: Derek Abbott has dedicated a decade of his life to identifying the Summerton man and if his theory is correct, he is now married to the granddaughter
2: of that man, Rachel Egan. It's almost as like we have a double love story happening with two plots that have become intertwined over a a long period of time. Mr. Summerton and my grandmother, Granny Jo, possibly had a love affair. And as a result of that, my father was possibly conceived. Then years down the track, the worlds collide again, and the professor and the possible granddaughter meet and have a relationship. And here we are. Derek Abbott is convinced that
0: Rachel's birth father, Robin, is the child of Joe Thompson and the Summerton Man. But to prove it, to find answers to this enduring mystery, he needs a sample of the dead man's DNA. And two years ago, he nearly found it. He discovered three excellent hairs on the original plaster cast bust. He actually managed to have a small amount of DNA extracted from the roots of the hair
1: we managed to get the whole mitochondrial genome of the Summerton man. Unfortunately, that's not the kind of DNA you really need to identify him. You need parts of the DNA that are inherited from both parents, from both
0: sides. So, in effect, mitochondrial DNA is next to useless in identifying the unknown man. Derek Abbott really needs an autosomal DNA profile. That's DNA inherited from both mother and father. And that's where forensic genealogy comes in. The latest on the Golden State Killer who terrorized California for decades. Investigators say
3: they tracked him down using DNA in a genealogy website.
0: In 2018, an arrest was made in the US that transformed the world of criminal investigation. Joseph James DeAngelo was identified as California's notorious Golden State Killer after detectives uploaded his DNA to the open-source genealogy site GEDmatch. The unconventional technique revealed 10 to 20 distant relatives of the killer. This was the first arrest through forensic genealogy.
3: The answer was and always was going to be in the DNA.
0: But it was just the start. Hundreds of cold cases are now hot again. And Derek has used a cruder form of this technology by uploading Rachel's DNA to an open-source genealogy website in a bid to discount known relatives.
1: I have um, utilised Rachel's DNA already um, and have tried to find genealogical connections to her. And I've been finding there are a lot of fourth cousins in the USA it's difficult dealing with fourth cousins on a family tree because they are rather distant. So to deduce who the Summerton man is from that data is very hard. But if we now get the Somerton man's DNA, we'll now be dealing with just second cousins because he'll be two steps closer and we'll be able to nail it a lot more efficiently.
0: So while genetics and biology have revealed many clues in this case, it's the Summerton man's DNA that will ultimately provide the most definitive answer about who he was. is Biological Anthropologist and Emeritus Professor Marche Hennenberg.
4: The ultimate proof of Professor Abbott's theory can be provided by the study of DNA. If DNA of one man matches DNA of another man, in standard, now, procedure, This is considered an ultimate proof. The likelihood that they are not related would be very, very, very small. I think that exhumation of the body of Somerton Man will solve a lot of problems, will provide us with much more information than we have now. Even if DNA is degraded, there is still a lot of observations that can be done on various body parts, on the bones, on toes, distribution of hair patterns and so on, so that we certainly can gain a wealth of additional information from exhumation followed by thorough study of the body.
0: The Summerton man is buried in the so-called soft soil at West Terrace Cemetery in Adelaide. It's where you'd place a body that might need to be dug up at some stage, in case a relative or a friend came forward to identify him, or there was a lead in the case. But after 70 years in the ground, would the body still yield any answers?
5: Depends on where he was buried. Uh, If there was a lot of exchange with groundwater, that might uh, confound the signals that we find.
0: Jurian Holfeverev is an associate professor with the National Centre for Forensic Studies and the University of Canberra. He is an expert in geochemistry and volcanology, who gained his stripes in the Netherlands before moving to Vienna, the UK, New Zealand and eventually settling in Australia.
5: I got involved in provenancing of human remains in the 90s, but now I started working on Ötzi the Iceman that was found on the border between Italy and Austria. And we developed some techniques to find out what was the most likely origin.
0: The police forces in Europe got interested in Durian's techniques because of his success in using modern science to solve decades, sometimes centuries old cold cases. He uses elemental and isotope ratio analysis to trace any kind of natural material to its geographical origin. In layman's terms, he looks at the chemical signature left on a body in a bid to reveal more about the origins of the deceased. So how does Durian and his team actually come up with their methodologies? And is he only able to use teeth to draw his conclusions?
5: It depends a little bit on what period of people's life you want to look at. If you want to look at the whole life, you would take the teeth to look at the early life where they grew up and then you might look at the bones for the last seven or ten years to get an idea where they might have lived.
0: I came across Durian's work due to his success in using isotope modelling to identify the remains of a woman in an eerily similar case to that of the Summerton Man. In November 1970, a man and his children came across the charred remains of a badly burnt body in a remote part of northern Norway. The deceased came to be known as the Isdal Woman. She was naked, hidden among the rocks and the shrubs on a remote hiking trail in a valley in Bergen. Her neck appeared to be bruised from some sort of blunt force trauma. Near the body was a handful of sleeping pills, a packed lunch, an empty bottle of alcohol, and two plastic bottles that had held gasoline. And here is where the similarities between the Isdal woman and the Summerton man come into play. Like the man on the beach in Adelaide 22 years earlier, Someone had gone to some length to disguise her identity. The labels had been cut off her clothes, all distinctive marks removed from her belongings. And like the Somerton man, a trail of coded messages and perplexing clues were discovered in her wake.
5: I think the same, uh, the similarity between the two is that uh, the person is not identified and there must be a family somewhere out there that would like to know what happened to uh, their loved one. And, of course, uh, these cases fascinate the general public.
0: Durian's analysis didn't solve the baffling case of the Isdal woman. To this day, it remains an open cold case in Norway. But his forensic analysis on the teeth of the unidentified woman did find chemical traces which suggest she grew up in an area along the French-German border.
5: There were a number of areas that were of interest, as we say, in Europe. It wasn't really areas in Norway, but the most interesting area was in middle Europe or partly in the early part of her life in the eastern part of old East Germany, and later she might have moved to the West.
0: The Norwegian Criminal Investigation Service described Jurian's results as a breakthrough and much more specific than they could ever have dreamed of. So, could we do a similar isotope modelling on the remains of the Summerton Man?
5: We could use it with the Summerton Man case, but we still uh, haven't mapped the whole world for all the different isotopes. Hydrogen and oxygen that are in water have been mapped for the whole world, so we can give an idea where people might have lived based on the hydrogen composition of the hair or the oxygen composition of the bone.
3: So we were to exhume the Summerton man's body. That allows us to collect the biological sample directly from the body itself, which opens up more possibilities in terms of the forensic tools we can then apply to those samples. That's Dr Jody
0: Ward, one of Australia's foremost forensic DNA specialists.
3: Given that the Summerton man's remains have been buried for 70 years now, obviously that's going to have an effect on the quality and quantity of DNA that we're likely to recover from his remains. Whether DNA is recoverable is dependent on a whole lot of environmental factors. So things like temperature, water, humidity, or potentially sources of degradation for DNA. I understand that his body was also embalmed, and we know that the chemicals used in the embalming process also contribute to DNA degradation and damage. So my suggestion would be those kind of hard tissues like bone or nails, and I would definitely be trying probably more than one sample,
0: Yet Jodie Ward is optimistic an exhumation in this case will provide answers. Derek Abbott has twice tried to petition the South Australian government to have the body of the Somerton man exhumed for DNA extraction. It's been rejected both times, on the grounds that the public interest didn't go well enough beyond public curiosity or broad scientific interest. But that was under the previous Attorney-General John Rowe. When we spoke to the current Attorney-General, Vicky Chapman, we got a very different response.
6: Look, personally, uh, I think I'd love to see uh, some resolution uh, of what happened to this man uh, and why did he die uh, uh, apparently on his own uh, on the beach at Somerton. It is a mystery and it'd be nice to have an answer. In fact, the Attorney-General goes further. Well, in South Australia, to exhume a body, it needs the Attorney-General's approval for obvious reasons. Um, And I'm quite happy to give my approval. This is
0: significant. No South Australian government has ever approved the exhumation of the Summerton Man. Then this
1: is a a breakthrough that the present Attorney-General wants it solved. Yes, so it is frustrating that um, so much time has passed and an exhumation hasn't happened yet. But I think the time is now ripe for that. The technology is there, and I think the will is there.
6: But there's a catch, uh, but it's conditional on the basis that the costs are met of exhumation, uh, forensic testing, uh, and the reinterment of the remains. The Attorney General says she's not fussed about who the applicant is. Uh, So I don't uh, cast judgment on the application per se, but on the face of it, the applications that have come to me have been meritorious uh, in that they have the objective of helping to identify who this person was uh, and how they died. Uh, I accept that, uh, and uh, so as to whether that might be some personal uh, resolution for them, uh, I don't really pass judgment on that.
0: While she doesn't pass judgment, Vicki Chapman was pretty clear with us that she doesn't want taxpayers forking out a cent for the dig. And Derek Abbott estimates the cost of an exhumation to be about $20,000.
6: Look, the costs are clearly going to be significant. Uh, it's, uh, it requires the supervision uh, for the exhumation and reinterment, and obviously the forensic costs. Uh, of the uh, assessment of the remains. Uh, And we would obviously identify the costs that would need to be secured uh, if and when uh, we have a commitment to any applicant uh, undertaking to meet the costs. But Derek isn't worried.
1: Officially, it's still a a, a cold case and the police file is still open. And so uh, the ball is in the court of the police. And uh, I think it's only a matter of time that this is going to happen.
0: Marche Hennenberg is also open to any source of legitimate funding for an exhumation.
4: I think that exhumation is necessary. And if there are problems with obtaining funding from government sources, for example, then any other method of Gaining legitimate financial support for exhumation will be fine. So crowdfunding or any other form of funding by a beneficiary or, or a company would be fine. We need facts.
0: Then again, not everyone wants the Summerton man dug up. Former cold case detective Jerry Feltus is against the move to exhume the body, especially pressure to do so from Derek Abbott.
1: I think it is quite questionable and I don't think you can just willy-nilly exhume a body of a person. It leaves itself open to people applying for exhumation um, for reasons other than uh, credible.
0: Warren Barrington is the executive officer of the South Australian Bookmakers League. The book is paid for the unknown man's funeral. At the time of his death, the coroner of the day, he suggested to some of the wealthier bookmakers that they might pay for the Summerton Man's burial or he'd be buried as a pauper. And until recently, they also paid for the lease on his grave plot. So we relinquished about six months ago and now the Adelaide Cemeteries trust are the internment holders. Warren is strongly against exhuming the body of the Summerton Man. It's not going to solve a crime, it's just going to, hopefully, prove that someone's DNA is in the same area as the Summerton man's. And I don't think that's an excuse to dig someone up. But for Rachel Egan and her husband, Derek Abbott, an exhumation offers the only real way of identifying the Summerton man.
2: By exhuming the body and, and giving Mr. Summerton an identity, it will finally bring closure to this case and to the lives of a lot of people. There, there's a family out there somewhere who have lost somebody, they may not even realise it. And there's a man lying in an unmarked grave who deserves to have a proper burial and a proper farewell. Somebody needs to own him
1: I think all these new advances are our only chance to solve this thing, to find the Summerton Man's identity. And they're at such an advanced stage now that I think there's a very good chance we will crack the Summerton Man's identity. It'll be nice to see a headstone on there with a name on it. Whether the Summerton Man is related to my wife or not, uh, what's interesting is that He has brought us together and brought me three beautiful children. And uh, I think that's quite remarkable.
0: So here we are, to mum should, the end. For almost a year, I've been obsessed by the Summerton Man. The same elements of the story that pulled me in as a 10 year old girl listening to my dad tell the tale are still just as captivating. Who was he? Could he have been H.C. Reynolds, the man whose identity card was found amongst another man's possessions? Was he a spy? To the people of Adelaide, living in the shadow of post-war paranoia, it certainly seemed that was a likely explanation for his death. Was Joe Thompson a spy, that mysterious woman from Sydney living just down the road from Somerton Beach, whose phone number was written in a copy of the Rubaiyat? Her granddaughter, Rachel, doesn't discount the theory. So, like many before me, I remain fascinated. And at the end of this investigation, some aspects seem even more unclear now. For me, the entire case is built on shifting sand. So, too, the many theories. In fact, if you remove any element, any building block, then the whole case collapses. If you take away the code, the spy theory is shot. If Derek Abbott doesn't find a DNA link to Rachel, his entire theory is out. And I think, in all likelihood, this was an affair of the heart, that the unknown man met Joe Thompson at or near the Clifton Gardens Hotel in Sydney... They fell in love, had an affair, she became pregnant, cut off communication and moved to Adelaide. But that, and what happened next, of course, is all pure speculation. Perhaps he tried to rekindle the relationship. She rejected him and he, left distraught by the end of his dalliance, took his own life. Or perhaps, knowing he was sick, he said his final goodbyes to a lover and a child. And he died of natural causes on that beach. The simple truth is we need a name and a backstory to do anything more than guess. To get that, we need his DNA. But there is one thing I'm emphatic about. The Summerton man wanted Joe Thompson to be found. His efforts to disguise his identity were so deliberate. His disposal of the Rubaiyat with her number written within was so blatant. And his use of the book's final ominous words, Tamam should, the end, so ingenious. It was as if he knew one day someone would slowly, meticulously put all of these missing pieces together. When it comes to the work done by Jerry Feltes and Derek Abbott, I think they have both had an exceptionally important role to play in getting this case to where it is. Jerry, with his vast on-the-beat police experience and the benefit of hindsight, was able to do so much that the original detectives could not. And Derek, with his sharp mind and never-say-die attitude, has taken the investigation to new levels and provided, arguably, the most credible and likely theory yet. The final chapter of this intergenerational tale really belongs to science and the secrets that the Summerton Man's DNA can give us. Let's hope this ending finally gets written. I'm Fiona Ellis-Jones. Our executive producer is Helen Thomas. Editing and production by Sophie Townsend and Jess O'Callaghan. Sound design and mixing by Martin Peralta and Ryan Pemberton.